One of the most familiar passages in Scripture is found in 1 Corinthians where it says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We hear these words all the time at weddings. We read them on greeting cards, and, and we even see them uh, in home decor. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, but sometimes I think that's all we relegate these words to is simply some nice decor. But these three concepts, they not only sound good, they're incredibly important. And I want you to notice a phrase that we don't talk about a lot when we look at these words, where it says, these three remain. What's that mean? What does it mean that these three abide or these three remain? Well, there's two things I can think of. One, it means that these are eternal activities that that God loves. In the economy of heaven, they're the gold standard. When earth is over and, and our eternal home is established, whatever that existence is like, you can rest assured that faith, hope, and love are going to be a part of the equation. But a second thing that this phrase implies is that all three of these are essential for the health of the believer. These concepts are to abide and remain with the believer at all time. They're not just things that are necessary for salvation and then we're done with them, but in every day of our Christian faith, every moment that we are followers of Christ, we need to, relive, we need to live in a way that reflects uh, faith, hope, and love. If you're going to look like Jesus, you got to have faith, you got to have hope, and you've got to have love. These things are foundational components of, of what it means to be Christian. And so during the next three weeks, we're going to spend time talking about each one of these. We're going to talk about what they are. We're going to talk about why they're important. And we're going to spend some time talking about how we can develop these things in our life. So today we're going to start with, with faith. And if you have your Bibles at home, I invite you to turn your attention to the book of Hebrews. Uh, if you've been studying with us on Wednesday night, you're very familiar with Hebrews. One of our teaching pastors, Wayne Braswell, spent the year going through the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews meticulously lays out how, how God saves us in Jesus. He establishes that God is greater than any man that has ever lived, any created being that has ever been. He's greater than anything in the universe. And because He's great, He's uniquely qualified uh, to, to, to be a perfect sacrifice that would be given on behalf of mankind. The book of Hebrews basically tells us Jesus is our hope. And throughout the book of Hebrews, he gives warnings and encouragements to those of us who put our trust and our faith in Christ to not lose heart. Because apparently some people were doing just that. They were quitting the faith and they were going back to the world. They didn't think this Christian thing was working out. So in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, don't throw away your confidence. It has great reward. Don't throw in the towel. Verse 36, he says, you need endurance. So so after you've done God's will, you're going to receive what is promised. God's going to come through, but, but until then, you've got some work to do in the here and now. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day when uh, the coming one will come and he won't delay and we'll be gathered to him. And then he says, but until then, my righteous one will live by faith. I hope that sounds familiar to you because that was the key verse that we looked at in the book of Habakkuk. But it's not just the key verse that's found in Habakkuk, it's one of the key verses in the, 
the New Testament. Three times the New Testament quotes this verse, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, it is, it is truthfully, I think the key concept of the entire Bible that whatever faith is, what, whatever this concept is, it's supposed to be a lifestyle that you live in, not just an event that happens one time in your life. The MO of a believer should be a life characterized by faith. It's not a concept you visit. It's a lifestyle you possess. If you're not living by faith, then you're not righteous. So it's really important this morning that we recognize that every aspect of our life is affected by faith. But what's that mean? What does it mean when the Bible says that we are to live by faith? Here's where the book of Hebrews is really helpful. In verse 1 of chapter 11, the very next chapter, he says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. When I read these verses, in particular this verse, I immediately recognize that faith has a lot of different components. Uh, there is a time aspect to faith. Uh, verse 1, it says that, that faith is the reality of what is hoped for. We're going to talk about hope more next week, but hope is almost always something that's in the future. Sometimes it's the distant future. We have hope in heaven one day. Sometimes it's in the very near future. We have hope that God gives us wisdom for a situation. Uh, this teaches us a little bit about faith, that sometimes faith deals with things that have not yet happened. That's why we can speak of, of going to heaven or that Jesus will come again or, or God will judge the world as if it is a reality in the here and now because we have faith that what will be one day is certain and sure. There's also an invisible element to faith. He says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for. It is the proof of what is not seen. It deals with realities that are outside of our sight. Faith deals with the spiritual, with the intangible, with premises and presuppositions. Things not obvious to everyone, it deals with the unknown. And that makes sense because if you knew something, you wouldn't need faith. But because faith deals with this unknown, uh, 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 we, we find ourselves uh, leaning into that, that, that element. But there's another element to faith, and that is confidence. In this verse, we find him using words that, that faith is, is a reality, and faith is our proof. If I were to ask you, uh, uh, will, will COVID end soon? You might say, well, I'm, I think so, but I'm not sure. If you were to ask me, is our economy going to remain strong? I would say, I, I, I hope it will re remain robust, but, but who can be certain? If you were to ask me, will UK win another football game? Who can really know for sure? We, we don't know. Uh, but if you're asking me, are you going to go to heaven? I'm going to tell you something like, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm confident I'm going to heaven. I, I've got proof that I'm going to heaven. What, what's the difference between those things? One is, is not more knowable in a tangible sense than the other, but it's the fact that I have faith in one of those and not so much in the others. Faith described in the Bible almost always deals with things that 
most people wouldn't consider certainties. But when you have faith, you know, you know that God exists. You know that there's life after death. You know that Jesus rose from the dead. And you don't have to convince me of those things. I don't have to convince you of those things. We have confidence because we have faith. And it's this confidence element that gets at the heart of what biblical faith is. I know you're COVID weary. I wish we were meeting in person today. Um, and I'm praying for God to alleviate the world of this disease or to mercifully provide us a vaccine. I, I, I think the vast majority of us are, are hoping a vaccine comes quickly. But who's going to be the first person to take it? That discussion has been had around water coolers in offices everywhere. You know, who, who's going to take it first? Well, I don't know who's going to take it first, but when it is taken, it will show the difference between belief and faith. Thinking a vaccine may work is belief. It's possible. But faith is when you roll up the sleeves and you say, give me the shot. Faith is the bridge from idea to action. It, it, it is trusting. And, and honestly, that's the most simple definition I could give you of faith. This faith that 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 is uh, dealing with the unseen and sometimes is in the future, but yet we have confidence. The best way I can describe what that faith is, is faith is trust. That's what faith is. You, you, you trust, even though you don't understand, you trust it's true. Even though you may not have all the evidence, you, you trust the outcome. Even though you don't see, you trust, even to the point of action. When the New Testament authors were writing about faith in God, they used a Greek word, pistuo, uh, which means to believe. It's from pistos, which means faithful. And, and you kind of get the concept of what that means when you think about the, describing our belief is, 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 is trust in a God who's faithful. We trust Him because He's always come through. The theologian J.I. Piker described faith in this way. He said, faith means quite simply trusting God by believing what He's told us. You only have faith when you've learned to trust God and to trust His Word and to treat Him as a partner in your life whom you're trusting in the way that you would treat a spouse, a good friend, or any human who's given you promises and on whom you rely to keep those promises once they're given. You trust God because He's faithful. Guys, I've come a long way to say this. You, you need to have a trust of God in your life. And you need to have it because this is what God wants. There's nothing that God wants more from you than for you to put your trust in Him. Even if you do a cursory overview of the Bible, it's obvious that that's what God has always wanted. When He placed man in the garden, He didn't give him a command to abstain from the tree of knowledge just because He simply wanted to make some rules for the garden. He gave him that rule so that man would have an opportunity to display his trust, to show his, his allegiance to God. Of course, man failed. But God didn't change His desire. God has never wavered in His pursuit of faith. Because when we trust God, we glorify Him as God. And when we trust God, we show God that we love Him. When we, when we trust God, we proclaim that, that He is worthy of our allegiance, that He's good, that His plans are best, and that His ways are right. Displaying love for God through trust is not only what God desires, but it's also what God requires. 
Notice verse 2 of Hebrews 11. For by this our ancestors were approved. Uh, Noah believed God. Abraham believed God and it was credited him as righteous. Moses at the burning bush, believed that it was God speaking to him. David, in front of the giant Goliath, believed that his God was greater. Uh, the Hebrew children, at the door of the fiery furnace, proclaimed their faith in the ability of their God. They trusted him. Even in the, the prophets, we see faith in the midst of opposition. This is how people please God. This is how people have always pleased God. In fact, Hebrews tells us, that God has so wired the universe that if you don't have faith, you can't please God. It's impossible to please God if you don't have faith. My oldest daughter is uh, 22 years old. Uh, that, that blows my mind. Uh, and when I think about uh, her, her, I still uh, think it was just yesterday when she was this little bitty toddler running around the house. She used to love to climb on stuff. She'd climb on our couch. She would climb on our bed. She would climb on the pews at church. She would climb up onto the platform where I would preach. And, and, and if you knew her when she was young, she loved to jump. Uh, she, she, she would jump into my arms when I would hold them out, but it didn't start that way immediately. One day, I think she was on the bed and I went up to her and held up my arms and said, jump. And she looked at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> and I said, come on, you can jump. But I saw fear. I said, you can trust me, jump. She said, move closer. I moved closer and said, jump. And she jumped. From that point on, she continued to jump. She would have me move farther back. Sometimes she would jump when I wasn't ready for her to jump. But that's because she trusted me. She believed that I would catch her. And there, there's something beautiful about that type of trust where you believe someone will come through. And that's the type of trust that God wants us to have in Him. Uh, back to chapter 10, He says, My righteous one will live by faith. But then look at the last part of that verse. He says, If he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. <laughs> that, that's a problem. It's a problem because that's what all humanity has done. Every person from the beginning of time has heard God's call to jump, to trust me, to have faith. And yet all of humanity has, has drawn back. We trust ourselves. We follow our own desires instead of the patterns of God. It's our sinful self that we trust, and that keeps us far from, from a life of faith following after God. Our hearts become hardened in self-reliance and we make a mess that becomes almost crushing for our soul. And there's not a thing that we can do. There's not a thing that we can do to fix our mess. So our God who loves His creation created a way for us to be saved. He sent Christ to die on our behalf. The sinless one who took our sin, who absorbed the wrath of God in his physical body, and he made a way for us to come back to a position of righteousness before God. And I want you to understand the way back to God is the same as what God has desired forever. It's through faith. The Bible says, for you're saved by grace through faith. 
This is a gift of God. And, 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 and salvation, that which Christ did for us, becoming sin for us so that we might be right with God, that was a gift. And if that's a gift, faith is the hand that receives that gift. We open our hand and we receive what God has given to us. Faith is the means that salvation is applied, and it's the only means by which salvation is applied. But why is faith the only means of salvation? <laughs> because faith is the acknowledgement that you can't do anything except trust in God and trust what Christ has done for you. Faith is the one attitude of the heart that is the exact opposite of depending on yourselves. Faith says to God, I give up. I can never make myself right before you. So I trust you and I depend on you completely to do what I, what you can't do for yourself. Guess what? God loves that type of faith. He loves when you trust him. He loves when you jump. And when we jump, his strength holds us and he always catches us. I love verse 35. We're not those who draw back. We're not those who are destroyed. We're not those who, who, who are faithless, but we are those who have faith. And because of that, we're saved. <laughs> and not only is faith important because that's how we stand right with God and we're saved, but it's also how we make sense of the world. Fast forward into Hebrews 11, verse 3. He says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not seen or are not visible. One of the reasons faith is important is because when we have faith in God, all of a sudden our world starts to make sense. The Bible describes our condition before knowing Christ as having our eyes darkened or our mind deceived or our senses dull to the working of God. And in the equation of the human experience, there's a blank that causes lots of unknowns. We have these big questions that God has intentionally designed this world that we would have to lean into Him to find answers. But when we don't have God, these big questions, they gnaw at our soul. We ask, where do I come from? Why is this world in such a mess? What's my purpose while I'm here? And where am I going after this life? Without faith in God, not only do you fail to connect the dots... You create fictitious realities. You create new pictures that are completely false. This is what's happening in Romans chapter 1. What can be known about God is evident among them unbelievers. God has shown himself to them. It says for his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and his divine nature, they've been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood by, through what he's made. And because of this, people are without excuse for not knowing who God is because every sunrise testifies to Him. Every time the tide rolls out and comes back in, we get testimony of the greatness of our God. Uh, every day, uh, we, we experience, uh, the, the life that, that, uh, that is all around us in nature and it testifies to a great designing God. And people are without excuse for not seeing Him, but yet they don't. Although they know God, they don't glorify Him as God, they're not grateful, and instead, because they don't lean into God and put their trust and their faith in God, their thinking becomes worthless, and their senseless hearts become darkened. Verse 22, they claim to be wise, but in reality, they're fools. Verse 23, they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over 
uh, in their desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served what is being created instead of the Creator who is blessed forever. Uh, and amen. Uh, everyone, everywhere, in every system of belief, puts their faith in something. Everyone. They put it sometimes in themselves. They put it sometimes in their own ability to reason. Sometimes they put it in another person. Sometimes they put it even in a created thing. But misplaced faith exists everywhere, and that's dangerous because it's harmful to the individual. It leads to destruction. It's like putting your ladder on, on, a, on a teetering foundation. It's, it's incredibly dangerous. But when we put our trust in God, when we believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him, our minds are opened up to real truth. And the big questions of life that we have, they start to make sense. We know where we come from. We come from God. We're His special creation. We're created in His image. We know why the world's in such a mess. It's not because God is not in control. It's because man ha has has uh, chosen sinful ways and sinful patterns that always bring destruction. We know where we're going because we trust in God's Son and, uh, and have put our faith in Jesus. We know that we're going to go to heaven when we die. And because of our faith in God, we know why we're here. We know that we're here to know Him and to please Him. And that's another reason that faith is so important. It makes us useful in God's kingdom. You see, God accomplishes His will through the working of faith. The rest of chapter 11 is filled with people of faith, great faith. We call it the faith chapter, the hall of faith. Some people talk about the heroes of faith are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. But I want to tell you something. Don't let that title fool you. These people weren't sinless. This list is filled with liars and murderers, adulterers and prostitutes, drunks, people who did heinous things. And sometimes even after they became people of faith, most of them had moments in their life where their faith wasn't stellar, but all of them had at least one moment where they transferred their trust from themselves and put it onto God. And they walked by faith and not by sight. And because of this, God was pleased with them. And through them, through people like this, through people like us, God changes the world. That's the way God worked then. This is the way God works now. It's faith in God's people, that is, that faith in God through His people that God has used to bring hospitals to the world. He's used to feed the hungry. That He's used faith to carry the gospel to remote nations. He's used people of great faith to care for orphans. He's used people of great faith to, to bring revival to communities. Any moment of God that, that man has seen God has chosen to couple it with a moment of faith where people have said, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, God, whatever you want, you can have. Here I am, God, my life is yours. Whatever you have will have me do, God, I will do it. When God finds that in humanity, God does great work on our planet. D.L. Moody was the one who said, man is yet to see what God can do through one man who's totally devoted to him. I pray that God would find faith in us. This is the point of Hebrews 11. Faith is vital. It's vital for our lives. 
It's vital for our minds and it's vital for our souls. But how can you develop faith in your life? Let me give you a couple things real quickly. Number one, I would tell you to put yourself in position to hear the word of God regularly. Um, the Bible teaches in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes through the message of Christ or through the word of God. Uh, this is true for saving faith. And it's also true for faith development. When you consistently place yourself under the word of God as it's being taught, God will open your eyes to, to an understanding about a question you've always had. He'll move you to forgive someone that you've held a grudge against for years. He'll lead you to give of yourself in service to others. He'll call you to preach. He'll give you an idea of how you can serve in your world. Put yourself in position to hear from God through his word. Second thing I would tell you is you can develop faith by having a perspective that's informed by providence. Again, I take you to Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you're going to please God, you've got to draw near to God. But you also must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You need to look around and see God all around you, that in every event you face, those you like and those you don't, you need to believe that He's sovereign over your world and believe that every day is filled with opportunities for Him to work and that nothing happens in your life that escapes His ability to use it. Huh? You grow in faith when you start looking for opportunities to trust God. People who learn to trust are those who see Him at work. They see God at work, and so they want to jump in. Uh, Henry Blackaby says, see where God is at work and join him. Have a perspective that is influenced by, by, by your belief in God and look for God at work around you. And then I would encourage you to learn from others. One of the places, places that we learn to see God at work is through the life of others. We listen to how people feel impressed to do something for God. We watch as they step out on faith. And we see how God catches them. And we, and we learn. And, and, and truthfully, we learn from the lives we read about in the Bible. But we also learn by the lives that we encounter every day. They may be people you work with or go to church with. But you learn from them. You learn from them as they give their life away because they believe God's calling them. You, you learn from them as they serve like crazy because God has just so impressed them with His real uh, reality that, that they just want to do something for the Lord. Uh, you, you watch them as they pray and as they maintain peace and are not melting down in worry regardless of what comes their way. You watch them and your faith grows. This is why I would encourage you to read biographies of faith-filled believers. Listen to testimonies of missionaries. Learn from the faith of others so that you can grow in your faith. You know, you might be saying right now, Pastor, I hear you. I don't know if I can get there. <laughs> I don't know if I've got the faith to move to Africa or to sell my business or to teach adults in Sunday school or to start a ministry for those in need. I don't know if I have enough faith to tithe next week, Pastor. I just don't know. I get it. Uh, people do have different degrees of faith. Uh, some people seem to have great faith. Uh, Jesus replies to a woman who, who comes in desperate need of healing for her family, that your faith is great. Some people have faith to move mountains, it seems. Some seem to have less. If you remember last week's passage, 
Jesus talked about those who were worrying, and he, he called them the oligopistos, the, the uh, two words oligos and pistuo, faith little one, faith baby. Some people seem to have very little faith. Uh, whatever measure of faith you've been given, I encourage you to take that little bit of faith and to put it on Christ, to trust in Him. I was witnessing to a person the other day, and we got to the point where we talked about trust. We talked about what Christ had done. We talked about the sacrifice that He had made. We talked about His resurrection from the dead. And they gave verbal assent to all of these things. But James 2.19 says even the demons believe that. And then we got to the place where I told them what Christ wants you to do is to confess Him as Lord. To, to say, I'm going to trust you with everything I've got. And they looked at me and were honest and said, I just don't know if I can make that step. That's a problem. Because that's the only step that God accepts. Where you can transfer your trust from yourself to God. God is like a dad waiting on his kid to jump. He says, trust me. Is it a leap? Yes. Is it sometimes a hard leap? <laughs> Absolutely. But does he hold up? Every time. Our Father rewards those who seek him. He holds those up who put their faith and trust in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. You're faithful to give every good and perfect gift, and for that we're grateful. And Lord, we're grateful that there's not even a shadow of turning in you. And we're grateful, Lord, that every time that we put our trust in you, Lord, you have been faithful. God, I'm grateful that even when our trust failed and our sinful hearts were darkened, you gave us the gift of faith so that we could believe in you and trust you completely. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to take away today uh, uh, from our time together. Number one, God loves for his creation to put their faith in him, to trust him. Uh, and that leads us to number two, uh, don't make faith more complicated than it is. It's just like human trust where we, we, we move from trusting our, ourselves or trusting others or trusting some other system to trusting in God. Faith is necessary to be saved, but it's also necessary to live a life that pleases God once you're a Christian. So I encourage you to live in faith. Walk uh, not by sight, but by faith. And then finally today, I know we don't all have the same amount of faith, uh, but I do know that all of us can develop the faith that we have. I pray that we will be a people who trust God.